Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. It's great to be a member of the church. It's great to be a part of the family of God. And this morning I want to talk to you about how we can become a part of the family of God and why it's important to be a part of the family of God. In our Bible class hour, we talked about the universal family of believers. And I think out of about 15 points I had, I got about three and about into three. But uh, we're going to talk a little more today about being a member of a local family of the body of Christ. I was talking to Jonathan about the history of the Pippin congregation. And, of course, I just read that piece of cement out there, but I knew that it couldn't be 1971, that it goes way, way back. But this is when, of course, you've done more work to a, this facility and, and kind of updated everything. And I'm sure that it hasn't always been here that you met. But somewhere back in the past, early 1900s probably, maybe all the way back to the late 1800s, um, there was a group of people that started to meet in this location. And they locally organized the body of Christ. Now, when you read the epistles, the letters of the New Testament, like Ephesians or First and Second Corinthians or Romans or other epistles, you recognize that, that the writer of those epistles was writing to local congregations. He was writing them about how they needed to conduct themselves and how they needed to continue to follow the doctrine of Christ. If anyone does not have the doctrine of Christ, they do not have God. Second John verse 9. So we understand that there was a pattern, even in the New Testament, for God's church. Just as there was a specific pattern for how Moses was to build the tabernacle and how it was to engage in worship and how it was there to glorify God, so there's a pattern for the church. So local congregations then, for the last 2,000 years, have come together, have organized themselves under elders and deacons with preachers preaching, with teachers teaching, with members being involved in the family of God, and that has been God's plan for the church. And every single person needs to be part of a local family of believers. Now, I believe that the Pippin congregation has called this series of gospel meetings together because they understand their responsibility both to God and to the community to make it possible for every single person to be a part of the family of God. So I want to say first of all that I love you and I want you to go to heaven. I want you to have the blessings that I have as being a member of the body of Christ. And if you're not a member of the church, you need to become a member of the church. And if you are a member of the church, then it's also my job this week to help you to be a functional, helpful part of that family so that it can be everything that God wants it to be. Everett Ferguson wrote this about the church. He said, the church is the product of the saving purposes of God as expressed in Jesus Christ. Let me say that to you again. The church is the product of the saving purposes of God as expressed in Jesus Christ. I think most people that understand God the Father and understand Jesus as the Son and have the concept of the cross of Christ being that emblem of hope and salvation, even though it had been an emblem of torture and death, I think we all understand that 
God chose us in Jesus Christ. He chose us from the foundation of the world, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. But specifically, I think we also need to understand that just as much as God chose us in Christ, he chose us in the church. That you can't have Christ without the church. And you can't really have the true church without Christ. There are people today that they want Jesus, but they don't want the church. But here's the problem with that. It says that he is the head of the church, Ephesians 5 and verse 23, and he is the savior of the body. He is the savior of the body. So I would submit to you that if Jesus is the savior of the body, and if the body is the church, then he is not going to save anyone who is outside of the body. That's why he wants all people, all nations to flow into the church. I asked a, a question a while back on Facebook. I guess that's the only way anyone communicates anymore. But I, uh, I asked a question as broadly as I could to friends that are members of the church all over the world. Name one great blessing of being a member of the church, the church that Jesus built, the church of the New Testament. Now, there could be hundreds, thousands, really, of answers to that question, right? Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. All spiritual blessings are found in Christ, and they're found in the church. But the most common answer I received among the many different answers of blessings being a member of the body of Christ, the most common answer, really by far, was that I am a part of a spiritual family. It was somehow related to the fact that I'm not on my own here, but I'm involved with a body of people, with a group of people that I call my family. Amber and I haven't always known each other, but you know how I met her? I met her through the spiritual family. I think that's the best way to meet someone. And I haven't always lived in this part of the country. And I really don't have any family members, blood family members, very close to here. So guess who my family is? It's the church. And that doesn't mean I don't have a physical family. Many of you maybe have been raised here and have maybe gone to this congregation your whole life. But I have, I'm not that kind of individual in that because I'm a preacher, preachers tend to move and, and to go places and preach the gospel wherever they need to be preaching it for as long as they possibly can. And I've lived in a lot of different states and I've lived in different parts of the of the country, different cities. So I understand that there's something different about being a member of the spiritual family, blessings of being that spiritual family, that no matter where you are, you always have someone that you can call family. I'm going to read this. Uh, I've got a couple of things I want to read today. I usually don't read anything when I'm preaching, but I didn't know a better way to express it than to a few articles that I found to try and express to you the importance of being a part of the family and the, the na nature of a functional family. Um, and as I'm reading this, this is from the American Family Health Group concerning the importance of being a part of the family. I want you to think of how this not only relates to the physical family, because it's talking really about a physical family at home, a mom and a dad and children, but I want you to see how this would also relate to the spiritual family of the church. As I mentioned this morning, that first God created the family, the very first institution, in the Old Testament, in chapter 1 of the very first book of the Bible, there it is. Okay, that's God's plan. And that a society that's healthy, a church that's healthy, is going to be comprised of healthy family units. 
Okay, God did that so that we could understand the church, the spiritual family. In other words, if we didn't understand the idea of authority figure as a father and mother, how could we understand the authority of the Bible or the authority of God as a father, a spiritual father? So this is for our benefit. So think about this, the importance of being a part of a family. Children in their middle years treasure their families and feel they are special and irreplaceable. Families provide children with a sense of belonging and a unique identity. Families are or should be a source of emotional support and comfort, warmth and nurturing, protection and security. Family relationships provide children with critical sense of being valued and with a vital network of historical linkages and social support. Within every healthy family, there is a sense of reciprocity, a giving and taking of love and empathy by every family member. Families are much more than groups of individuals. They have their own goals and aspirations. They also are places where every child and adult should feel that he or she is special and be encouraged to pursue his or her own dreams, a place where everyone's individuality is permitted to flourish. Although every family has conflicts, all the family members should feel as though they can express themselves openly, share their feelings, and have their opinions listened to with understanding. In fact, conflicts and disagreements are a normal part of the family and are important insofar as they permit people to communicate their differences and ventilate their feelings. The family instructs children and gives guidance about personal values and social behavior. It instills discipline. It helps them learn and internalize, internalize codes of conduct that will serve them for the rest of their lives. It helps them develop positive interpersonal relationships and it provides an environment that encourages learning both at home and at school. It gives children a sense of history and a secure base from which to grow and develop. Yet as important as these functions are, they do not happen automatically. Every parent knows it takes hard work to keep the family going as an effective, adaptive, and functional unit. There's a lot said in there. Okay, There's a lot that we could really talk about. But the point that I'm trying to make is that there is a purpose for the family. God brought it together so that we could thrive, so that we could flourish. You cannot flourish in society very easily if you have no family structure. You cannot flourish in spiritual things very easily if the church is not what it needs to be. So my prayer for you at this congregation is that you can have a wonderful, loving family. That all these things that, that have been mentioned here about needs and things that the family can supply at the home can also be supplied here as a spiritual family. For example, the ability to resolve conflict, the ability to communicate and talk, to have a deep enough appreciation for each other and love that unity can be a possibility, that we could humble ourselves and serve in the family, to serve others, to put others before ourselves. These are all things that need to be happening if the family is going to be successful. Now, as we noted this morning, Ephesians 3, verse 15, that the church is the place from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named through Jesus Christ and our faith in Jesus Christ. And those who are a part of the family have actually been called into fellowship by God himself. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to just make this quick point. God has appointed us to a place in his family. Who came up with the idea of salvation? 
We were singing, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. And if you were listening to the words of that song, it talked about basically God's wisdom in authoring the plan of salvation so that we could be a part of his church. We were praising his name because in his great wisdom, he had come up with this marvelous plan who then also brought us into fellowship. Who decided, Randy, that you could be my brother and I could be your brother? God did. And when I obeyed the gospel and you obeyed the gospel, we became brethren even if we had never met before. So the idea of being a part of this family is that this is something that God has done. And because God has done it, it makes it specifically special. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9, God is faithful, that is, he's trustworthy, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We have been called into fellowship. That word fellowship is the same word we sometimes use for communion or uh, the idea of taking of the Lord's Supper. It's joint participation. It's me and you doing something together by which we agree that causes unity and glorifies God. So he, we have actually been called into the fellowship of his son. We have been called into the family. God is calling all people to be members of his family, the church. The Bible even tells us that he has predestined us to adoption as sons. What that means is that God, way before time, had his plan in mind that you and I would be members of his family. And then we've been adopted into the family through the blood of Jesus Christ and our obedience to the gospel of Christ. The, the reason why I'm making this point is because if you're not a part of the family, in a sense, if you're not a part of the church, then you are not fulfilling your purpose here on this earth. God has really called us into fellowship. We're basically not doing what God has called us to do. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us the way that he calls us is he calls us through the gospel. That's why we're having this gospel meeting, so that we can basically proclaim or herald God's word, word to the world so that people can then be obedient to it and have the blessings of being a part of the family. Now, sometimes people leave the family. People leave the family. Last Sunday we had what we called Coming Home Sunday. It was an idea that was brought forth by a preacher of many years ago in which every single congregation that he would ever come into for the first time to work. For example, there was a time where I started at Willow five and a half years ago. There was a time that Randy started working here with you folks. He would come in and he would find out from the congregation, tell me everyone in this community who still lives here, who no longer worships here, who used to worship here. Tell me about them. Now, specifically, he wasn't concerned about whether or not maybe they moved to another congregation of the Lord's people and were working there. But what about the ones that just dropped out? What about the prodigals that are just off in a far country wasting their time? How is it that we call them back? How is it that we get them back to be a part of the family? I hope we understand that it's not just being a part of the family and being called in the family that's important, but staying a member of the family. And I think it's possible that a person can even be here every Sunday and every Wednesday and really just not be doing very much to help the church function and help the church work. We've had this thing over the years where we've said that 20% of the people do, what, 80% of the work or something like that. And uh, sometimes that's partly the 20% fault because they won't let anyone else do anything, okay? But most of the time, the reason why only 20% or 30% do the work 
is because the other percentage is more than happy to let them do it. And I want to impress upon you that a healthy family is only going to be healthy when all of the members are doing something to make that family functional and growing. So you do have responsibilities as members of the body of Christ. And we don't want anyone to drop out. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6, it says, Christ as son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm to the end. Each and every one of us can be members of the body of Christ, not just because we've been called by the gospel and not just because of the blood of Christ being sufficient, but we can be members of the body of Christ because we're all equal. You see, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We are all sinful people. Now, we might admire some people more than others. We might even look up to some as being the kind of person that we would like to be. There's probably someone out there that you can think of their life, you can think of their, their faith, you can think of the way that they've been as a member of their own physical family, as a part of the community, as a mentor to you, and you could say, you know, I wish when I grow up I could be like them. But, you know, even that strong person, that person is a sinner. And that person has struggles and problems. And if it were not for the grace of God, there was no way that they could be a member of the body of Christ. This is a message that we need to preach to the world, the message of the grace and mercy and love of our God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If the reason why you're not a member of the family is because you don't think that you're good enough for the family, guess what? You are correct. You are not good enough. I am not good enough. Even Jesus, when he was asked, good teacher, what things must I do that I should inherit eternal life? Do you remember what Jesus said? Why callest thou me good? Only one is good. Who is what? God. God is good. But there is none righteous. No, not one. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. That's why it's possible that's why we're qualified to be members of the church. Because the church is that group of people that have been redeemed from sin, that deserved spiritual and physical death, and yet by the grace of God, through the blood of Christ, we've been called into the kingdom of God. There is no partiality with God, Romans chapter 2 and verse 11. So if you've been using the excuse that I'm not going to be able to be a member of the church because I'm not good enough, I'm sorry, that's just not going to fly. You're never going to be good enough. That's why you need the blood of Christ so desperately. I have spent so much time over the years with a person who has been coming to worship for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and is never immersed. And the reason why is because they think there's something else they need to know. There's something else they need to learn. They're never going to be good enough for the church. Boy, Satan's got them in a really bad place. Because I already know that I'm insufficient, and I already know that I'm sinful. But you know what? I know I need the blood of Christ desperately. And if I were lost, you wouldn't be able to keep me from that baptistry today. You would not be able to keep me from it. Because my soul's at stake every single day, and life's not guaranteed. And when I know what to do to be saved, to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized, I mean, a simple plan like that, I mean, show the water to me and let me get in it. I think it's amazing sometimes that um, we can be sometimes in services and the worship services of the church for years and hear that message and not obey it. And then we can go to a foreign country and we can tell that message for the first time to somebody and they walk straight forward and say, where's water? What hinders me from being baptized? 
We need to be thinking about how important it is to be a member of the body of Christ and be a part of that family. And if you think that you're not worthy of it, I can guarantee you that you're not. That's why it's so special, because you can be a part of it anyway. I'm going to read another article written by a friend of mine. Do I really need to be a part of the family of God? Is it important for me to be a member of the church? Invariably, there are people who make a statement like this. I can be a good Christian without being a member of the church. Or you don't have to be a member of the church to go to heaven. The supposition behind those statements are that if you live morally without being a part of a Christian family, and this may be possible, but submit to you that it would be difficult, that as long as you do that, you're going to be okay. At the same time, it is sometimes true that there are many people who are not even Christians whose lives are more moral than those who don suits and dresses on any given Sunday. Nevertheless, the sentiment, while guided by emotion, that I can be a good person and I don't have to be a member of the church to go to heaven, is a misguided, is misguided uh, and just untruthful. And we mentioned already Jesus is the Savior of the body. Therefore, if Christ is going to save his, the church, his body, should we not be a member of that community? But let, let me deliver to you a message that is supported by Scripture that will let you know that what being of the member that being a member of the family of God, that is a Christian and the church, a part of the Church of Christ, is not. What is being a member of the church not? First of all, he says it is not church attendance. Being a member of the body of Christ is not church attendance. If this was equivalent to church membership. There would be no need for an invitation song at the end of sermons that invites people to make Jesus their Lord through faith, confession, repentance, and baptism. This is true. I mean, literally, a dog could walk through that build, the doors of that building and sit down here and attend church services, right? A dog. I remember one time we were at the Estes Church of Christ. Amber and I were on a Wednesday, I believe, and a bird had gotten in the building. Have you ever had something like that happen? And this was a big building, and it had a high ceiling, and there was nothing that was going to be about, done about this bird. And I remember just watching it fly into the building. And I don't remember what the sermon was about that night, I can be honest with you, because I was just wondering what that bird was going to do. right? But just because a bird comes in the building, just because a person comes in the building, doesn't mean that that's enough. Now, we want to be here. We want to encourage each other. But that doesn't make a person a member of the body of Christ just because we've been here all our lives. Another thing that won't make us a member of the church is practicing things in the name of our religious beliefs. Uh, we may pray, we may give. People do this in the community all the time. They do different kinds of outreach through clubs and benevolence that they base on their own faith and their thoughts about their responsibilities towards others. But I remind you of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. It says that Cornelius was a devout man who feared God, who prayed and gave alms all of the time. But guess what happened to, ha happened to, happen to Cornelius? Guess what had to happen? He needed the gospel preached to him, so Peter was sent. And he preached that gospel, and he and all of his family were baptized into Christ. When Saul of Tarsus was converted on the road to Damascus, we read that afterward he wanted to join the disciples. He wanted to join. Now, because of his past history of being a persecutor of the church, they were afraid to let him join. And so there was this time of uh, trying to adjust to his decisions why would he want to join, though? That's my question. Why would he want to join? Well, I have been amazed to see how people will come together over things upon which they agree. For example, um, I've been to a UT game, okay? I've seen what people wear, and I've seen how people 
can get very excited about a UT game. 100,000 people, right where they say like the third or fourth largest city on, on game day or something like that in the state of Tennessee. Whenever I see things like that, I recognize that it's possible for people to agree. And it's possible for people to get excited about something and to make commitments to support something. How much more should we be excited about the most important thing we could possibly know or care about? And that is that Jesus has come to save us from our sins and that God has allowed us to be his spiritual family and go to heaven one day. I mean, that ought to excite you. You ought to be able to cheer for that better than any team that you love or like. So we can come together, and we should want to join it. It's almost crazy to me that a person wouldn't want to be a part of the church, that they wouldn't want to identify with people that are going to be the, the best people on the face of the earth. If God adds us to the church, and the Bible clearly says that he does, number one, that's comforting, and number two, he lays the conditions for our inclusion to it. If God allows us to be saved, he's basically mapped out a plan for us to be a part of this church, and all he's asking for us is to obey some of these simple things so that we can all go to heaven one day. But church attendance and religious practices are not really what makes a person a member of the family of God. It is when an individual from their heart obeys the gospel of Christ and every day seeks to do the will of God and makes that relationship with God personal. They realize that you don't go to church, that you are the church. And everything that you are, every single decision that you make is filtered by the pages of the Bible and the word of God so that you can be the kind of person that God wants you to be. I know that this week we're spending time together as family, but folks, we do it every day. Every single day that we step out our door and also in our own homes, we are the church and we are united together. Now, I'm going to make another point about being a member of, of the body of Christ, being a member of a local body. Did you get to choose your family? Did you get to choose your family? Of course you didn't. And if you have a good family, you ought to thank God for them. If you had a mother or father that taught you about the Lord, you ought to thank God for them or a grandparent or somebody because the majority of this world is being raised in homes that don't do that. So I hope that you understand if you're a child of God and you've been taught that, that you are above all people most blessed. So but the point I'm going to try and make is because you didn't get to choose what family you were born into, don't think that you get to choose your spiritual family either. You know, in a sense, it's chosen for you. It really is chosen for you. I wrote this a while back. May I choose your church? You don't mind, do you? You don't care about the preacher that much, do you, as long as he, as I like his style and delivery. Do you care about the size of the church, the relative friendliness of the congregation, or the programs they may or may not offer? And as far as doctrine, does that really matter? I, I promise no snake handling. What about worship? Does it matter to you? Do you care if they have a rock band or a choir or maybe neither? I mean, as long as I like the church, would you let me decide which one is for you? I doubt that anyone would be very comfortable with letting someone else pick their religion or congregation for them. So here's the point. It is not right for me to decide about the church. Why is it right for you to decide? In the 21st century state of the religious world, one of the biggest errors that prevails is the consumer-like approach that appeals to the church of one's choice. Most people go where they feel comfortable. 
The largest growing churches in population are needs-based. They promise to serve you and make you happy. They promise not to hurt your feelings. They want to make sure that everything is just as you want it to be. Friends, I'm sorry, but this is not the Bible's description of the church that Jesus built. But a decision does have to be made. How does one properly choose when it comes to the church? The first principle involves realizing that it is not really your choice to make because it is not really your church. The only person who ever referred to the church as my church was Jesus. He purchased the church with his own blood. Members of the biblical body of Christ do not even belong to themselves anymore because they were bought at a price. So in effect, no one has ever, ever truly joined the church. We submit to the perfect will of God, and he by his grace, according to his own plan and pattern, adds us to it. There is only one map that will lead you to the church of God's choice. That map is the Bible. If a person is genuinely interested in finding the church that Jesus built, the only way to find it is to consult the New Testament. But our world is upside down. We want to, the church to determine what the scriptures mean rather than the scriptures to determine what the church means. God's word came first. His word alone can accurately and authoritatively tell us about the church. An honest Bible student, by sincere and diligent study, will be led to the church of the Bible. So here's a challenge. Do some serious Bible study. Study about the organization of the New Testament church. Study about the worship of the New Testament church. Study about the names of the New Testament church. Study about how people became converted to Christ in order to enter the New Testament church. If you will study these topics with an open and honest heart, you may have to leave the church you currently attend. You may have to you may have to search from congregation to congregation until you find the church that belongs to the Lord and is not a church that was instituted or organized by the doctrine of men. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He also said, Every plant which my Father has not planted will be uprooted. Matthew 15, 13. Jesus is the only foundation and the only builder of the house of God. There is only one church. And it is the church of the New Testament. It is the church Jesus shed his blood to create. It is the church the apostles helped to establish on the day of Pentecost. It is the church organized according to the New Testament pattern. It is the church that wears a biblical name. It is the church that has only as its doctrine the doctrine of Christ. It is the church that worships God's way, not man's way. It is the church that has no other desire than to belong and to glorify Christ. God is not going to ask the question I asked. He is not going to ask if he can choose your church for you. See, he chose the church for himself. I want you to think about that for a second. God chose the church for himself. But he has extended to you the invitation to be a part of it. If that day ever comes when you understand what the Bible truly teaches about the church, it will be the, one of the most important days of your life. It will change everything. Obedience to that knowledge will bring you inexpressible joy and a peace that passes all understanding it will give your life true meaning and purpose and the confidence and the hope of eternal life. Now, it was a long article. I hope you listen to every word of it. Because I'm going to tell you, when I said from 1 John chapter 3, when I said to that again, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. I think people that are members of the New Testament church know exactly what that means exactly what that means. I have a lot of friends in our community, friends that I'm very close with, I spend time with, and I think about how much I care about them, and they are not yet members of the New Testament church. They have a belief. They follow a lot of the principles, 
that are there in the Bible, but they never understood the concept of New Testament Christianity and the one body of Jesus Christ. And not only do you need to understand that concept, but at some point you need to obey the gospel so that you can be a part of that church. And then you need to know the difference between the idea of a universal family of believers, which is available, of course, to anyone who obeys the gospel, and then being a part of a local congregation. I wish I could go on and on and tell you how important it is to be a member of a local church. But I will say this, God organized the church. Some people don't like organized religion. Well, the problem is God organized the church. And so we need to like the fact that God organized it and be thankful that he had a pattern for it so that we could know exactly what we're supposed to do and exactly who we're supposed to be. You know, I am not confused. I know exactly what God wants. It's right here in the pages of Scripture. So my question for you this morning is, are you a member of the body of Christ? There's a very simple pattern that's given to us in the pages of the New Testament. First, we understand that faith comes by hearing. It comes by hearing of the word of God. There's no possible way that you can be a child of God if you haven't heard the word. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. And so that's why the gospel is preached. It's the good news that offers hope and salvation to all mankind. That Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he was raised again to wash our sins away and defeat death. He is the Savior through whom we can be cleansed. Once we hear that message, once we believe that message with all of our hearts, once we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is risen from the dead, and that he sits now at the right hand of the throne of God to make intercession for us, when we recognize that sacrifice and how much he loves us, the blood of the cross, the, the terrible torture of the cross that he was willing to endure for us, then hopefully that will lead us to repentance and thanksgiving, which will lead us to confession of faith, and finally, immersion in water for the remission of our sins. When we go through that process, the Bible teaches us that we've become Christians and that God has added us to the church. And there might be someone here today that's never done that. If not, you need to do that. And if you're a member of the Lord's church, I hope that you'll understand what a great blessing it is to be a part of the body of Christ and that God has placed individually members just as he chooses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. Make sure you're a functional part of that body. And if there's some sin in your life that you need to repent of, repent of it today. If there's some reason why you're no longer working in the church like you should, come back and do the will of God. Today is the only day that you have the opportunity to do that for sure. And I just can't imagine, I just can't imagine not being a part of the kingdom of God. Are you a member of the church? Do you need to become a member of the church? Whatever your needs might be, we want to help you. We want to help you right now as together we stand and sing the invitation song. Please come forward.